As you have heard, this is our global multiplication weekend, and I am so excited to bring you a report regarding what we've been able to accomplish over the last three years. Now, we identified three focus regions, South Asia, Central Asia, and the Mekong River Basin. Now, North Hill's vision is to make disciples through the planting of healthy local churches. We chose to invest a significant amount of resources into church planting activity in these focus regions. Now, these regions are considered among the least rich areas in the world with limited access to the gospel. We are currently working with two mission agencies, Multiply and MMF, to support the development of regional training centers where conferences and training events can take place to equip and send out local church planters and missionaries. So our goal here is to see a network of churches that supports and encourages each other, developing a foundation of strong leadership and seeing these faith communities impact the world around them with the transforming power of the gospel. We had a five-year plan with a $2.5 million budget, which began in July of 2018. So now let's look at these regions step by step. South Asia. So approximately half of the world's unreached people groups are in South Asia. And so our goal in 2018 was to plant 160 churches. So where are we at so far? Well, by God's grace, we've been able to plant 261 churches with approximately 60 new churches being planted each year. We are also seeing an average of about 600 baptisms happening each year, seeing approximately 80 new church leaders being trained with about 147 participants in our training events per year in South Asia. What about the Mekong River Basin? Well, Nofi has been involved with the Change Life Center in Northern Thailand since 2005. And since that time, we've seen approximately 370 churches planted among the people groups in that region with about 60,000 members who are attending the churches that we've been planting there. The gospel continues to spread in that entire region. So since 2018, our goal then was to plant an additional 75 churches in this particular region. So where are we so far? Well, by God's grace, we've been able to plant 67 churches, establish one network with a church planter who's being supported by Northview. Throughout this time, we've been able to see an approximate uh, number of 1,000 baptisms per year with 100 new church leaders being trained per year. Central Asia. So Central Asia is predominantly a Muslim region with strong opposition to the Christian witness. So far, we've been able to establish three churches and there are four leaders who are working in these churches. Now, on an average, we see about 30 baptisms per year, and our goal is to see 10 churches planted over this five-year period that began in 2018. So I want to say a very special thank you to all of you for your prayers and your support. Now, you will remember in the summer, we were raising money for a training center in South Asia. Well, I'm happy to give you the report as to what the final number was. We were aiming for $200,000 to go toward this training center. Well, the Lord, by his grace, enabled us to raise about $490,000.
Thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you so much for your prayers and your support. Man, I'm so excited to see what the Lord will continue to do through our church as we plant and replant churches and train church planters around the world. We're um, working in this area that um, um, has very little Christian testimony. We're talking about um, 0.01 percentage of the population. Uh, we went to uh, support and help a network of churches, just develop churches there. I'm supporting them in everything I can, from um, helping them to keep the finances in order, to actually doing some inductive Bible study with them, and helping them to get, you know, to be better preachers or better uh, uh, servants, uh, wherever they are. I knew from here that I would go um, to this international school and I would be teaching uh, to serve these children so their parents could serve the locals, the nationals. We have a team of five, including me six, of leaders. They're involved in this um, small uh, three churches at this point in teaching, praying, encouraging, and uh, developing the local believers. I could say the whole journey up until now uh, was uh, God wanted us to get out of our comfort and put us in a lot of uncomfortable situations. And I would say uh, it was expect the unexpected. That's how it felt the entire journey. Expect the unexpected. So, a lot of surprises. Norview continues to support us financially a lot, and not, not only us, but the ministry over there. So we're grateful for everything that Norview has been involved with. We're grateful for uh, the prayers that um, um, we actually, we, we receive letters from people, emails from people uh, from Norview all the time saying that we've been praying for you, we've been praying for you. You know, keep in mind you're not alone. We are with you over there. So this is, this is just great. This is the moral support that, uh, you know, many times counts as much as the financial uh, support. As uh, we were raising funds to buy a car for the ministry there, and I was praying and I was praying, Lord, what's coming on? And the next day I got an email saying, we are regular family, regular folks. We don't have savings, we don't have much. But we feel that this return from, from uh, Canadian taxes should go directly to you. Here it is, our whole entire return from the whole family. I mean, little signs like this just proves the fact that the Lord is moving in a very supernatural way. We don't know. We don't see it many times, but we see that God is at work. So thank you, Norview. Thank you and bless you with all our hearts because you've made a difference in that entire region, but also in our hearts. So we've heard a very remarkable testimony from a couple who is serving as workers in one of our focus regions. So the question then would be, why would we be so engaged and involved in this kind of work? 
where we'll be sending a significant amount of money and resources, sending families from here, there, to see the gospel propagated in these areas. Why would we do this? Now, of course, a straightforward answer would be Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Jesus gives this great commission, and he calls his people to say, hey, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all nations, not just here in Jerusalem. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the end of the age. So this is the great commission that Jesus gives his disciples. So this is the why we go, the great commission. But then the question then would be, okay, so will this great commission be successful? Because I don't know about you when, you, when you look around, is the world becoming more Christian or more pagan? You would say, you know what, it's not looking very good. You know, particularly here home. Like you look and say, my goodness, our society is going, is, is really, things are really going over the cliff when it comes to morality, when it comes to just uh, our social norms and things, uh-uh. things are going really, really badly. And not just here, but around the world. So will this great commission of making disciples of all nations, will it really work? Will, will it be successful? And so to answer this question, we'd have to look and say, okay, what does the scripture say? Even though the world around us doesn't look very promising, uh, what do the scriptures say? Well. Isaiah, in Isaiah 25, kind of gives us a glimpse of what this success will look like, okay? And basically what Isaiah is saying here is the Lord will accomplish his purposes. The Lord himself is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. His plans will be accomplished. So the two things that we'll look at when we see Isaiah 25, verse 1 to 8, the two points that we'll zero in on are these. First, all peoples, all peoples will glorify and fear the Lord. When I say all peoples, peoples with an S means all people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. All peoples will glorify and fear the Lord. That's what Isaiah will say. And then secondly, all peoples will receive redemption and peace from the Lord. All peoples from all, every nation, tribe, and tongue will receive peace, will receive redemption, from the Lord. So let's look at the first one here. All peoples will glorify and fear the Lord. Isaiah 25, verse 1 to 5. This is what Isaiah says. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. For you have done wonderful things. Plants formed of old, faithful and sure. For you have made a city a heap. The fortified city a ruin. The, uh, the foreigner's palace is a place, is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of, ruin, uh, of ruthless nations will fear you. For you have been a stronghold to the poor, a stronghold to the needy in his distress, a shelter from the storm and a shade from, from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm against a wall, like heat in a dry place. You subdue the noise of the foreigners as heat by the shade of a cloud so that the song of the ruthless is put down. 
So very quickly here, I'd like us to consider what are the reasons for this high praise that Isaiah is giving here, saying in verse 1, O Lord, you are my God, I will exalt you, I will praise your name for the things you have done, these wonderful things, these plans that you formed of old, faithful and sure. What he's saying there is, man, God is trustworthy. The plans that God had from of old, the plans that he had even before the foundation of the world, those plans, yeah, trustworthy. You know, you would even say this. The reason why God knows what the future holds for us is because he planned it. And what he plans comes to pass. So he plans it. So the reason for this high praise very quickly here would be, well, the Lord destroys the city of the ruthless and strong and he will silence their song. Meaning all these folk who are ruthless, who would say they are strong and mighty. So for example, in, the, in, 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 in Isaiah's time, you know, these nations like Babylon, are strong nations, bragging about their power and their strength and their commitment to their gods and their idols. Yeah, the Lord will bring that to ruin. All their bragging songs, yeah, he'll pull them to silence. Not only that, the Lord will also be a refuge and a shield to the needy in their distress. And so when these nations come and attack and oppress people, yeah, the Lord will speak to that too. And these nations will come with so much heat, yeah, the Lord will just come over like a cloud, you know, on a sunny day, and then you, and you're hot, and the sun is really beating up against you, and then the cloud comes over the sun. Do you feel the heat anymore? No. Yeah, that's what the Lord will do to the heat of all these strong nations. The power of the Lord is able to accomplish that, is what Isaiah is saying here. But the verse that I'd like us to really focus on and zero in on is verse 3. Therefore, strong peoples will glorify you. When they see what the Lord is doing, the strong peoples will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. This ruthless, these strong people who live in fortified cities, these ruthless people, they'll not only glorify the Lord, but they'll also fear him. What is this word fear? Is this fear meaning like, hey, you know, I'm afraid of bears. I'm afraid of dogs because they're going to hurt me. No, it's not that kind of fear. This is a loving reverence to God. What you and I should be doing, a loving reverence for God. This is what these strong nations, these strong people, these ruthless cities will be doing. So here's an example. Um, a number of uh, years ago, I traveled to one of our focus uh, regions here. And I met a gentleman who was a pastor in a very rough neighborhood in one of these cities. Prior to his conversion, he was a gangster. He was a thug. He was a very violent, feared man in this community. And a lot of gangs would also be afraid of him because of the level of violence that he would bring to, to people's lives. And because of God's providence and love, the Lord met this individual. He heard the gospel and he came to saving faith. And when he became a Christian, the Lord now began to use him as he was being discipled and trained. The Lord called him into pastoral ministry. Now, if you and I would have gone to this particular community and established a church there, chances are we would be heavily persecuted. Why? Because the people in this particular community don't want the gospel. They don't want Jesus. They don't want you to go. 
But the Lord by his providence just saved this particular individual and drew him in. So he becomes a Christian. He becomes, he, be, he goes through our training processes and things like that, being trained and coached, discerns a call to pastoral ministry. He's now a pastor of a church in this particular community. Now, what is interesting is this. You would think that all these people in this community will begin now to persecute the church, right? Because they don't want the gospel. Guess what? They're kind of afraid of coming to storm the church and break everything because they remember how violent this guy was before his conversion. And so from, from a very, it's, it's quite interesting how the entire community is afraid of bringing persecution because they know how violent this person is and they don't really understand the gospel, but they know that he's changed, he's different, but is he? But then this guy now gets these opportunities to share the gospel and so many people are coming to saving faith. What is God doing there? Strong people will glorify you, right? And now some of the thugs within this community, gangsters within this community, now hearing the gospel from this man who was one of their own, who's now sharing the gospel to them and seeing many coming and being baptized. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. This is now happening in this man's ministry. Is God accomplishing his purposes? Of course he is. Now, as you listen to, to, to this brother's story, it kind of reminds you of the apostle Paul, doesn't it? This man was a Pharisee. Paul was, formerly known as Saul. And now he had in his hand orders to go and persecute Christians in Damascus, drag them from their homes, chain them, throw them in prison, maybe even kill some of them. And so on horseback, on his way to Damascus, what happens? The Lord meets him on the road to Damascus. Bright light shines. Paul gets spooked. He falls off his horse. All those people with him, his entourage, they all hide and they're in fear. And then a voice comes from heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, but who are you, ma- who are you that I'm persecuting? And then the voice responds saying, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now get up and go to this city, to Damascus, to the street called Straight, to a house of a man called Ananias, and he will pray for you. He will tell you what you need to do. This is how Paul was converted on his way with with orders to persecute the church. And the Lord now says, uh, no. And through the ministry of the apostle Paul, how many churches were planted in the region among the Gentiles? How many came to know the saving faith? You and I heard the gospel probably when a passage that Paul had written to one of the churches, a pastor would have preached that passage and you heard the still small voice of the Lord calling you to be one of his disciples. Oh, strong people will glorify the Lord. It's not just strong people. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. Cities of ruthless nations will fear you. So there's a story that I heard a few months ago here where in North Korea, about about 120 years, North Korea had a few churches, few converts, and they were trying to do evangelism in their community but there was barely any believer in South Korea. So the British would send missionaries to the north 
to, and, and continue to fund church planting activity and evangelism activity in North Korea. And so as these activities are being funded and missionaries are being sent from Britain to encourage the believers in North Korea, well, the North Korean church decided to, to, to send their own to South Korea, to this nation that had barely any believers, to try and see if they can propagate the gospel there, share the gospel with the people in South Korea. Well, this, event, um, uh, this um, missionaries' endeavors were not welcome in the South. People there did not want missionaries. They did not want this Jesus and those significant persecution. But people from the North kept going to the South to share Jesus. Not to say that the North had a ton of believers, no. Just a few believers, but who knew that, you know what? We have to obey the Great Commission. Not only to share Jesus in our own community, but we also have to take Jesus to this other country, to this other community. We have to take the gospel to all nations. So they go to the South. Fast forward, we are in 2021 right now. South Korea is second to the United States when it comes to countries that are sending the most missionaries around the world. So just over a century, a nation that was once dark, no gospel, nothing, barely any believers in that nation 100 years later, what do we have? A nation that is second only to the United States when it comes to the number of missionaries they send out globally to share the gospel with others who haven't heard the message. So tell me, is the Lord accomplishing his purposes? He absolutely is accomplishing his purposes. All peoples will glorify and fear the Lord. Notice what um, the Apostle John writes in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 to 12. He says this, After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that, had no, that, that uh, no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell uh, on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. Right, amen to that. All peoples, this great multitude in heaven that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes, all peoples, and all languages will be there. See, John is talking about what will happen in the future. So the question then becomes, will God accomplish his purposes? According to what John saw? Absolutely. But it's not just that that Isaiah tells us. Look, the second point here would be all peoples will receive redemption and peace from the Lord. All peoples will receive redemption and peace from the Lord. Verse 6 to 8, Isaiah 25. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, 
of rich foods full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. So this is a big feast happening here. Verse 7, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that has cast, that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. Now what is interesting in this little section here, there's a phrase that I'm sure you've heard multiple times. This phrase, the Lord will wipe away tears from all their faces. Where have you heard this phrase before? From the book of Revelation. And what is the, the apostle John in Revelation saying about this phrase that Isaiah is pointing to? So Isaiah centuries ago is pointing to a day when God will wipe people's tears away. Isaiah, again, centuries ago, pointing to a feast that the Lord will host, a feast of rich food, of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow. This will be the feast of feasts. For all peoples, peoples from every nation, tribe, language, will be represented in this particular feast. Now, let me just nuance that a little bit. This does not mean that every single human being without exception will be invited to this feast. No, this is not universalism. What this means is every, so there will be people from Kenya there. There'll be people from Uganda there. There'll be people from Botswana there. There'll be people from Tunisia there, from Saudi Arabia there, from Turkey there, from India there, from Korea there, North and South there. There'll be people from Australia and Canada and the United States and Brazil and Peru and Panama, everywhere. They will be there. People from these nations, from all nations, they will be at this feast. Isaiah is pointing to the future, to this great feast that the Apostle John in Revelation 19 will call this marriage supper of the Lamb. Let's read that passage here. I, um, Revelation chapter 19, verse 6 to 9. This is what John says. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with wine linen, bright and pure. For the white linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, blessed are those who are invited. Notice the language there. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. This will be a remarkable day, a remarkable feast. And what makes this feast remarkable? What makes it remarkable, this banquet, is this. All peoples from every nation will be represented. They'll be invited 
to this feast. All peoples from every nation, tribe, tongue, every background, every skin color, they'll, they'll all be there. Multiple nations, a huge multitude that no one can count will be at this feast of feasts. Not only will all nations be there, but we will also be rejoicing because the Lord will swallow up death forever. In other words, he will eliminate death. No more mourning, no more pain. God will basically be reversing the curse that was brought about by human sin. No more pain, and that's why he will wipe away every tear from every eye, from all these folks, from all these nations. See, this is the reason why we go. This is the reason why we obey the Great Commission. We go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that the Lord has commanded us. Why do we go? Because we want to see all nations in the marriage supper of the Lamb. We want to see all peoples glorifying and fearing the Lord. We want to see lives transformed. This is why we go. This is why we give sacrificially. And this is why we pray that the Lord will accomplish his purposes. Let me pray for us. Father, we are humbled that you would invite us to engage this remarkable work of yours. Thank you, Lord, that you'd invite us to be partners together with you in your work to see many who will come and glorify and fear you, to see many receive redemption and peace. And you choose to use us. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to continue to be faithful, to be, to be in much prayer for ourselves and for those whom you have commissioned to go. Lord, I ask that you would continue to guide us as a church by your Holy Spirit. And Father, even for those who are listening here, it is possible that those who you are now tugging at their hearts that they ought to respond and choose to spend their lives serving you across the seas, bringing your gospel truth there, that many who might be hostile to the gospel today might have a road to Damascus experience like Paul, and therefore turn around and begin to share the gospel that we may see many faces at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So we ask, Father, would you continue to accomplish your purposes even in our day? Commend ourselves to you now in Jesus' name.